Welcome back to Soul Boat Sessions, the podcast about two of the best things ever, music and fermentation. This week's episode features two of my favorite local musicians, great friends, local guys, Hal and Andrew Spence, one half of a father-son duo known as Sawtooth and Sons. And I first met Hal and Andrew, you guessed it, right here at the brewery during one of our weekly bluegrass jams, and it was one of those rare and kismetic afternoons when everything came together and fast friends were made over some very fast and fine picking. And and uh, what I learned over the next weeks and months is that not only were Hal and Andrew two of the most outstanding local musicians and bluegrass musicians I've heard anywhere, really, Hal also has this amazing near 60-year history in the local bluegrass scene with anecdotes about some of the biggest stars ever in all bluegrass, including the originator himself, Mr. Bill Monroe. And that's just the storytelling. So with their family harmonies, Hal and Andrew take the material to a rare place indeed. And I hope you'll just grab a beer, relax, and enjoy this episode of Soul Boat Sessions with Hal and Andrew Spence of Sawtooth and Sons. At this time tomorrow, boys, it'll be of no use to me. Hang your head, Tom Dooley, hang your head and cry. You killed the Lori Foster, and you know you're bound to die. Guys, welcome. I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna jump right in. All right. Uh, we're, we're here with Hal and Andrew Spence. Who have been coming to the brewery for, gosh, I mean, at least a couple of years, almost two years since mm-hmm. our first bluegrass jam. You guys were in, in the first month for sure, and it's I, I just I you know the hairs on the back of my neck are still standing up from <laughs> the first time I heard you guys sing together. I'm not kidding. It was so awesome, and I was so intimidated too because you guys rolled up like, oh, these guys are real professionals, like. <laughs> I'm going to bring the curve down here a little bit pretty substantially, (laughs) but you guys have been mainstays from the beginning and our jam sessions. And like, we just appreciate you so much for coming out here to hang out on the farm and tell us about Sawtooth and Sons and and everything. So thanks. Thanks for coming. This is great. Never done anything like this before. Yeah. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Well, hopefully uh, it'll be fun. Um, I was just going to start by saying thank you also for this beer. You guys are, um, very graciously brought me a Eagle Cap India Pale Ale from Terminal Gravity. That's your hometown uh, brewery, isn't yeah, it? Right, yeah. Nice. Do you ever go there? And you know, they have the best food in probably in Willow County. Really? Yeah. And what do you like to eat there? Oh man, uh, we had uh, buffalo sliders one time. We had uh, uh, like buffalo. Yeah, Stangles raised buffalo right. out there. They have cool. I don't know how many. And they, they source almost all of their meat and whatnot locally there. It's but it's the food is just excellent. It's and it's all outside and uh, I don't know what they do in the winter. And uh, they, it's forty <laughs> below, it's gonna And they all know cold. each other and they all know dad and they all know yeah. everyone in our family and Yeah, that's uh with Jason and his family, his well just Jason and his wife went to uh, Jason's my brother. Gotcha. Uh, so and uh, they they go up to Wild Lake all the time and anyway so they went there for dinner and they're sitting there and the guy next at the table next to them said oh where are you guys from and he said oh yeah what's your name and, oh you're in relation to Hal and oh yeah yeah well, we're, 
Yeah, he went, we rode the school bus together and said they live <laughs> oh on the farm. God. Oh my gosh. So, you know, everybody knows everybody, so. That's nice. That's, that, that's like the best part of a small town is that, that feel, yeah. you know? Yeah, and Willow County is real isolated anyway, so. Because there's only two roads in and two roads out that are sometimes in the winter are closed. And, like so. this winter must have been something else. Oh, like yeah. we got walloped out here, huh? Yeah. So you always post amazing pictures of the lake. <laughs> what you know is Wallawa Lake? Is uh, is that right by? It's right outside of Joseph, about three miles outside of Joseph. But okay. and it was formed by three glaciers that came down, and and that so there's these perfect moraines uh, that it formed, and and the ice melted and left the lake. So so cool, beautiful spot. Um, and uh, did your whole family grow up there? And just my, just, mine. just yeah. your family grew up there. Yeah, gotcha. they homesteaded from uh, in the 1870s or something. About two years after they kicked Chief Joseph out, wow. my family came and homesteaded theirs. Oh, but they didn't. They didn't kick Chief, Chief Joseph out. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> so, so your family has a really long history there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And gr growing up was like was music always a big part of your household. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, uh, my brother, I think I was in the second grade, he would be in the fourth grade, and he bought a, uh, he got in the uh, Columbia Record Club. Oh, nice. You know, one of those yeah. where you can't get out of it, <laughs> and uh, we had to get an attorney to get out of it, but, oh my God. Uh, but he got a uh, uh, Flat and Scruggs Folk Songs of Our Land. And then he got a Jim and Jesse record, and I thought that was the best music I'd ever heard. My first sound I'd ever heard in my life was Jim and Jesse and the Virginia Boys. What was and it about the sound precisely that like, <clears throat> fired you up so much? Just their, it was two brothers, you know, and they, their harmonies were just impeccable. And they yeah. sounded like, and you know, and I, and I, I just, I loved it. And then I, and I loved the album cover. And Jim, I can't picture it right now. Yeah. Jim, I, I don't Jim think I've ever seen it. Played, uh, or he sang tenor, and he played a, uh, I think it was a fifty-one D twenty-eight, and it was on the album. And I thought, someday I'm going to have a guitar like that. Oh, that is awesome. So, when you so were in awesome. fourth grade? Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So well, it was like the rock and roll of the era in a way, right? You know, fast like. Super rhythmic, you yeah, know. Well, um, old time I mean, they had that. Well, we didn't have any radio. We had a. Uh, <clears throat> it's still there. KWVR Quiver Radio. Okay. And uh, it was owned by a guy that was in the uh, John Birch Society guy. Wow. And so he wouldn't play any music that was popular because it was all communist. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what he thought. <laughs> that's what he thought. <laughs> and so, like, I, we always joke about a friend and I were. Uh, we worked for different farmers and stuff when, when we, we didn't have stuff to do on our farm. And uh, I helped paint a barn uh, for a guy. And so we painted that barn white, three coats that summer. And uh, so we had a little radio. The only station you can get is that. And so we probably heard Al Martino singing Spanish Eyes uh, probably two <laughs> dozen times every day. Wow. Right, they just kept yeah. playing, playing like, I know, here goes again. Al Martino singing Spanish <laughs> Eye. <laughs>
You, you could be a radio host. Oh, yeah. You do that. You have to have a deep Give voice. Give them some competition down there. <laughs> you have to have a deep voice to be radio. <laughs> and you have to have a high voice for bluegrass, right? Yeah. yeah. Ideally. Ideally. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Um, and growing up there, and now you, you still live there close to where you grow up? No, I live in Dallas. No, excuse me. Now Dallas. Okay, but do yeah. you ever go back there? And Sometimes. My brother's still there. He has the flight service over there. So. Nice. Nice. How about you, Andrew? Did you guys, you know, what's your earliest memories of, like, hearing bluegrass with your dad or otherwise? <clears throat> well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> from the second I can remember memories, uh, he was in a group called Sawtooth Mountain Boys, and they were practicing all the time at our house, rehearsing, or we were at a festival, or we were at a gig, Dallas City Park, or whatever. So that's basically all I heard <laughs> growing up was. And were you just like camping out, you know, sitting down watching them, and or did they, did you get involved in any way? Like, hey, um, at that age, not really. <laughs> I think I was fascinated by the banjo because it looked like a crazy like a drum head with like yeah. a metal all around it. Right. Like it looked like a, I had no idea what it was. I was fascinated by how that looked, but I wasn't really into bluegrass then. Yeah, in the early days. Yeah, it was maybe, maybe I wanted nothing to do with it <laughs> at that point in my life. Yeah, so. Well, you played electric. You well, electric guitars instead. Sort of, yeah. But you were around live music, right? And that, that energy of like people coming together and jamming, that must have been really, had a big impact, I would think, you know, just. Yeah, I mean, have fun it totally did. And I, I'll go watch live music anytime. It doesn't even matter what type of music it is. As long as I can see what's going on, I'll go watch live music. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you've, you've uh, recently done some classes and some seminars and things like that where you've been traveling around. Uh, I feel like you went back to one last year, um, which was like a kind of flat picking camp or something. Yeah, it was. Um... I don't like to call it camp. That sounds nerdy. <laughs> I think they called it camp. Okay. It was, a, I'll call it a workshop. It was a workshop. Gu guitar right. workshop. Okay. Uh, like a bluegrass flat picking workshop put on by Brian Sutton. Yeah. Out in, is, yeah for those uh, who may be hearing this and not aware, is one of the top players in all, you know, modern bluegrass, a great instructor, you know, like most respected players alive, I would say. Yeah, and he's from, well, so the camp was held in Brevard, North Carolina. And he's from right around there. It's far western North Carolina, Brevard, Asheville, um, Arden area. And that's where he is from. He grew up. I'm at the camp. I met his mom and his dad and wow. his daughters. And yeah, so it was a fantastic experience. Did you play music one on one with him or in small groups? I mean, that, that'd be incredible. Um, there was a bunch of instructors. Um, he was, it was his first time running the camp so he was really busy yeah running around like kind of coordinating everything <laughs> logistics um but there was courtney hartman which is a another you know big name and david greer oh another huge name cow. uh grant gordy was there <laughs> i feel bad i'm gonna forget someone uh, uh dana bourgeois was there to kind of uh talk about he's a maker of guitars, bourgeois guitars. Gotcha. And um, he was there to like kind of give instruction on how to care for your guitar, how to tune it, how to keep the action right, how to travel with it. Um, 
stuff like that. That's awesome. That's I mean, I feel like the bluegrass community has, you know, been it's just gone through a, you know, a couple huge waves like in the late whatever whenever it was in '99 when Oh Brother Where Our Thou came out. That yeah. that was an explosion in bluegrass's popularity. And then I feel like obviously we're going through another major resurgence. It's never gone away, of course, but like the popularity, the size of the festivals, the artists are getting onto the Grammys and I mean, really, really amazing yeah. stuff going on. Uh, it's just an amazing community of people, you know, that would come together for something like that too. Yeah, there's um, like Alison Krauss is playing with Robert Plant. And so yeah. everyone that knows Robert Plant now knows Alison Krauss and yeah. that's kind of directing them this direction. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy, Strings. Billy Strings is, is yeah. a phenom, if that's the right oh. word. Like it just to is, say, yeah, yeah, to say the least, I mean like, yeah really something else. I'll be up here come, uh, coming up this uh, end of the summer. I already got my tickets. So <laughs> the, the one that we always kind of joked about it because there was always uh, a big explosion of something. The one before that was uh, uh, the movie uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and, and Foggy Mountain Breakdown. And so every place we played, can you play Foggy Mountain Breakdown? <laughs> you know, and, and uh and then there was the Will the Circle Be Unbroken album when yeah, it came out. Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't know. There's a, you know, every once in a while there's this peak, and then right. You know, so. People rediscover how great it is. Yeah, that I have to agree. I mean, you know, it's elemental. There's something, uh, something like in the American character, I would think, not without to get too lofty, but like you know, there's something about bluegrass that really stirring. You know, even if you are maybe not. In, <clears throat> interested to, you know right on the surface it somehow can grab you that driving energy or you know the other flavors of bluegrass that are more kind of droning and um, what i mean you know like we had a call hammer player on it was so cool going into that more of that kind of like uh modal like modal yeah, toning yeah. what i mean it's previous. strings vibrating on wood with no auto tune and no like <laughs> correction everyone's standing around in a circle it's yeah it's, it's kind of pure pure energy right yeah yeah energy exchange it's awesome now, uh, how like you got to tell us some stories about Sawtooth. I mean, he, so he just arrived today with a book, like you know, when the, when they write the book on American bluegrass. Wait, they already have, and it's sitting here on the, on the counter. <laughs> There's actually and it has a picture of Sawtooth. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your band and what was that like uh, starting the band and you know some well, highs and lows. How many hours you got? Oh. The, the, uh, I better get uh, another beer. When I. Uh, Went to, I went to after call or after high school. I went to college in Lagrand, at Eastern Oregon uh, College for a couple of years, and uh, and there was a guy that was from and I was in a, a bluegrass band over there, which I'm still in uh, but <laughs> from 1969. That's a good run. Yeah, and uh, but uh, this guy that used to live in Lagrand would come home, and I met him, Steve Waller, and. Uh, so he knew I was coming to Corvallis to go to school. So he said, well, we need a guitar player and a tenor. And so, you know, went over to his house. And uh, so they started in the band. It started with Mike Eisler and Steve Waller ended up being roommates, just completely out of the blue. They won some Oklahoma and one from Tennessee, LeGrand or Oregon. And uh, so they ended up being roommates. Well, hey, wow. yeah, I, I, I play guitar. Well, I do too. And, oh, hey. and so 
they started playing at Hootenannies and stuff. That was in 1965. So then they had put together a band and were playing. Uh, uh, and then they got, they played at a halftime performance of UCLA and Oregon State basketball. And it was nationally televised. Amazing. Of them playing, uh, and there was, uh, and this was right at the end of the Bonnie and Clyde era. Yeah, and uh, beginning so, of Bob Dylan and stuff. And it's and... still, people talk about that, that it was even on, uh, in the TV Guide magazine. Right, Picture right, right. and everything, you know. Listed. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> so anyway. That's incredible. If you don't and, know what TV Guide magazine yeah. is. But then, I don't remember But then everybody went the band away. Then they all moved back and then they started the band again and they got rid of it. It was called the Sawtooth Mountain Volunteers because the Sawtooth, uh, two of the guys were from Emmett, Idaho in the Sawtooth Range. And then Steve was from uh, Tennessee. So nice. the Sawtooth Mountain Volunteers. Well, believe it or not, but a lot of people said, oh, you want to be paid? What's the volunteer? How oh, funny. And I'm like, it's a name, you know. <laughs> you haven't heard of Tennessee so, football. Yeah. So then, and then, uh, so we played, I played in that band, uh, what, 26 years. And uh, we, uh, you know, we got to know each other for like, like we were brothers. We fought like brothers, you know, but we, uh, but it was, we played a lot of, a lot of festivals and a lot of, we played, all over the, the West. And then yeah. uh, uh, we did uh, two tours of Great Britain uh, oh and then a tour of mainland Europe. Um, oh my gosh, so fun. Super fun. Super fun. I yeah. mean, a young man on the road playing your favorite music, just, you know, making some money. Must have been yeah. great. Yeah, well, and, you know, we all had bosses that were, well, a couple of them were their own bosses, but I worked for an engineering firm and they, uh, and I went to my boss and said, uh, I wanted to know if I could be gone for three weeks. Why? <laughs> oh, I'm going to Europe and playing music. Yeah, go ahead, go, amazing. go, you'll learn more there. You know, it's like, okay. That's amazing. So. What a blessing, right? Yeah, oh man, yeah, it was, but it was, um, you know, those, those, there were times when, uh, I remember one particular event we played in uh, a Grass Valley uh, festival in California. Yeah, okay. famous festival. Yeah, and uh, and we played there one one evening, and it was like probably 80 degrees. Sun had gone down, 80 degrees, and I think they said they cut off the 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 uh, cars at 10,000. Oh my God! And so as far as you could see in the in the pines, were just people, and just and. Uh, 10,000 cars. Yeah, well, somebody said that. I have no idea if there was anywhere near that. A massive concert. Yeah, and so, you know, and so, like, they introduce us and walk out on stage and it's dead silence. (laughs) And we we played, you know, and it just, everything clicked and everything is like, I mean, we were all having those moments of, like, you know, where they get the kind of chills, like, wow. The sound was perfect. It's sort of magical, those moments. it doesn't happen a lot. But the sound guy. <laughs> you know there, when it does. The sound guy was really good, which you never got at a festival, you know, <laughs> where they have 55 buttons out there and they have to play with them. Yeah. So just put them on and don't touch them. You know, and they're, uh, right, right. Yeah. Were you guys so, doing single mic stuff at that point or was it? 
uh, we each we have started an mic. we started doing with three mics together, and uh, and then an inch an instrument mic for everybody. But then then we changed to the uh, we had an old RCA BK5B microphone yep. radio mic. Yeah, and with, uh, uh, with the cage almost. Uh, yeah, and uh, so uh, right. that way there was one button. Yeah, yeah. Just turn the volume up. I mean, the traditional bluegrass yeah. is like a single mic, and everyone huddles moves, around it. And like, if you take an uh, instrument break, you kind of hold your instrument up, and yeah. But everyone yeah. sings around it, and you adjust like your volume by moving forward. And yeah. And part of the discography—that's that, not the right word. Maybe. Uh, what's a dance move? Uh, <laughs> choreography. 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 I know it's one of those choreographies, but. Uh, where everybody, you know, is moving in and out. Like he has a banjo break and moves in from back mm -hmm. and then moves out. And so there's all this movement on stage. Everyone's got a peg head and yeah. they're and, ducking in and yeah. out. And, and then the other thing too, that I think Sawtooth had uh, besides vocals and then Mike Eisler, who's probably one of the premier banjo players ever. And, uh, but Steve Waller was an entertainer and he was first and foremost an, inter an entertainer. Would bring that energy up. Like, uh, he had like a charisma, charisma like that would just, just draw everyone in. And just and like, in fact, a couple of times uh, at this Grass Valley Festival, why we'd come off stage and we're all standing around talking, people around us, and then pe people would look at me and going, "Oh, were you in that band?" <laughs> like, uh, yeah, 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 standing up there. The I'm wearing the matching suit. Come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> the only person they ever saw was Steve. You know? but he was uh, and. Some people in the band didn't appreciate that. Ninety-nine percent of the people go out to hear live music to be entertained. Yeah, you know That's they true. don't go to sit and take notes on how you played a banjo break. You know. Yeah, so, there's room for both, right? But mostly it's about entertainment and uh, giving people a good time. Yeah, know, like, we did. I mean, I go to take notes on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We played in Emmen, E M M E N in uh, the Netherlands and it was a house concert that had like 20 people <clears throat> and uh, uh, there was a band from bluegrass band from Czechoslovakia this is just after the Iron Curtain went down and they're sitting in the front row taking notes you know, that was a little weird <laughs> this, is how, a, you, yeah, this is how you do it which is and then that like the next night we played in Amen at a International uh, International Music Festival. We played right after the Klezmer band from Israel, and there was a Sami Song band after us from Japan. And uh, but this, it was a concert hall that was I don't know how many people were there, but it was a huge, you know, sloped, sloped floor, and then there was three balcony layers. And they were all full, Amazing. and the stage was at least a hundred feet wide. Oh my God! So we walk out on the stage, and it's like the Grand Ole Opry uh, or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, so, you guys also had the opportunity to open for some big acts, as I remember. Well, do you, did any jump out? I feel like you mentioned some country stars from like, the main, what, name dropping portion of the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, don't know. I mean, I just remember being amazed that you know. The, well. Uh, uh, was it Merle Haggard or somebody that came? Yeah, they before I was in the band, they did. They did a warm up for him, and uh, but we played f uh, with uh, Allison Krauss twice. Wow! Uh, before she was anybody. Oh my gosh! I mean, but she was like a prodigy. 
Yeah, and then uh, Bill Monroe, of course. <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait, did Bill Monroe, like, even on yeah, two or three, share the stage with him? Yeah. That's incredible. We, we were the warm-up band for Bill Monroe, and, and uh, we were warming up behind, that was at a concert hall at uh, Portland, University of Portland, I think it was, and we were warming up, and so Bill comes walking in where we're warming up, and we were happened to be doing one of his... Uh, <laughs> one of his songs. It was a gospel. Big, big uh, or what was it? Um, gospel tune. Yeah, that uh, that we recorded. Uh, uh, anyway, and uh, so it has this really high tenor part, and uh, he comes up to me and he goes, uh, puts his arm around. Wicked me. path of sin. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Which one? The wicked path of sin. Wicked path of sin. Okay. And uh, anyway, he walks up and he puts his arm around me and he's. And I said, what? I'm sorry. And he was, because he had a really deep Southern accent. And he was saying, they have no sympathy for tenors, do they? Oh, gotcha. And I, Steve had to translate. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I felt so stupid. Cause, yeah, yeah. Who are you, Bill Monroe? Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. <laughs> So. You're goofing around with Bill Monroe. That's incredible. The father of bluegrass. Yeah. I mean, grandfather, great grandfather. I rode on his bus. He, they were playing in Corvallis, and they they happened to be at a restaurant, and they were there, and they wanted to know how to get there. And I said, "Oh, well, you can go, why don't you just ride up with us?" And, wow. Okay. Oh. So I rode on the the Bluegrass Express. So their bus. Much, so much fun. <laughs> so. And then, then Steve went and put a Socket Mountain Boys bumper sticker on the back of the bus. <laughs> nice. And it was there for years. I bet it was. Good yeah. Move. And then there was a book kind of like that that was a history of bluegrass and country music. And there's a picture of Bill Monroe in there sitting, talking with his nurse. Uh, and he's wearing a Socket Mountain Boys t-shirt. No way. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> so it was well, like, oh, wow. kudos to all that. That's incredible. Just yeah. rubbing shoulders with giants. I mean... Yeah. Did, uh, uh, one more th quick uh, question about Sawtooth in those days. What did you have? I don't know. Were you f known for one song uh, in particular, any originals, or was it something that you guys loved to just cl close shows with, or that you were particularly mm. like known for? And any? I don't, I don't know. know. Not not really. We um, just like the Flat and Scruggs kind of driving style of yeah. traditional bluegrass. Well, one the one I always remember is Blackjack. That we did at the Portland State concert, yeah, and, uh, and it just we cooked on it. It was uh, just just ripping. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it was faster, faster than faster. Than, <laughs> I've learned some of the breaks from it, and it's, it's and really it's, it's faster than JD JD Crow originally recorded it, and yeah. it's faster than he recorded it. And you know, and it was just uh, you know the whole place was just kind of electric. And then right this instant it stopped, Steve was blackjack. <laughs> like you know, just perfect. perfect. Yeah, and perfect. the crowd just went wild. It was fun. It was fine. It that's was... amazing. Wow, that is so cool. Well, um, all, all this talk of uh, fast, hard driving bluegrass makes me want to hear some tunes. You guys feel like playing something, and if if you want to, we can set up and do one, uh, sure. or we can keep yakking. I I love chatting. I, I could talk all day about bluegrass. <laughs> well, I could too. I love this stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Those stories are amazing. That's oh. so cool. Just, you know, there's, you know, uh, we were talking about this the other day when I meet someone like, a, I, I've never met Bill Monroe, but, you know, the, the aura that certain people have that can just, mm -hmm. you just feel, kind of feel it. 
you know yeah the talent level and the and and the best ones are always very generous and giving with their time too you know and that's something that in the beer world we really lucky to have some great mentors and like the best people really are are unselfish and and give you their full attention and say, oh, what yeah, can they I, how can it. I help you? They share it. And so. when I was coming up, for sure, I got so much help from people and the best ones are always like an open book, you know, like, yeah, yeah what can cool. I, what can I do to help you? You know, so it's cool that you're into the same thing I am. And that, that's kind of what this show is about for us is just, we, we think beer and music are the two best things ever. So <laughs> let's just well, talk about it. One, one of the things too is, you know, Raleigh Champ was in Sawtooth uh, for almost the whole time I was in it. He did take, what, four years, I think it was. His wife was doing her PhD in Clemson. So okay. he went back there and played in a few bands. But then he came back, and um, so his son, Brett, and uh, Andrew, uh, they, you know, all drug around to different festivals and stuff. And, like, the I, I always remember the... Uh, uh, the winery, the, the Airlie Winery, and had a big pond with salamanders. And so Andrew and Jason and Annie and Brett were all out there chasing salamanders and stuff, you know. And, and, oh, fun. But uh, yeah. so now, you know, we're, we get to play together again, you know, it's kind of oh. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's so nice. So Sawtooth and Sons is uh, the two of you, or do you have a bigger band that you're putting together? Well, it's, there's four of them. It's a four piece band. Yeah, Raleigh, and you guys are two Raleigh and his son Brett yep. on mandolin, and then me and then Andrew on banjo. So, so cool. And you guys playing the, the old tunes, new tunes? Like, uh, what do you draw the set list from? Mostly old. Um, yeah. A lot of stuff that Sawtooth did. In Some of the originals <clears throat> of Sawtooth. Original Sawtooth tunes and stuff that they were just kind of sort of known for. You know, the song that I think uh, I first became aware of your awesome harmonies and singing playing together was probably East Virginia Blues. We talked about doing that one. Oh, time. you did? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that tune. I think it's just because of the way the harmony works, mm -hmm. particularly the lilting kind of rhythm of that song. But that one was the thing where I had to race out and figure out what was that tune again and you know, <laughs> try to go figure it out. It's just so good. And, you know, not one you hear all that often, actually, mm -hmm. but it's a great tune. Love that one. So, well, we can play a few tunes. Listen to how loud this guitar is, Andrew. Uh, in the, my, my case is right there. Go look at the, there's some photos okay. at the top. Okay. Go, okay. go get those now. Photos of the original state of things. Yeah, yeah, can check this out. This is, oh yeah, go for it. Oh my god. <laughs> is this the building of okay. it? The unbuilding. Like, oh, the unbuilding. A guy, well, the story I got in 1971, I was uh, in college at Oregon State and I went down to the Troubadour Music Store and uh, he had a box in the back where he was repairing and he had this box with all these pieces of guitar in it. Uh -huh. And I saw it was a Martin. Okay. And uh, and I said, well, how much for that? I'd like to try rebuilding it. And he goes, there's nothing left of it. A guy drove a pickup over it. Oh, and then he tried to fix fix it himself. Wow. And uh, like using things like bathtub caulking, oh. <laughs> which is not exactly. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I said, I'd like to have it, you know, and like to get it. And, Said, well, he said the peg head, the the uh, sticker on the peg head, that's worth a hundred dollars. Mm. So give me a hundred dollars. 
this is 1971. Wow. So I go, okay. So I go back to the dorm, you know, in this box carrying all these pieces and uh, the kids are going, you paid a hundred dollars for a box of kindling? (laughs) And so, well, yeah, but it's a Martin. Yeah, but uh, so. And that's this guy right here. Yeah, and so over the years I'd work on it and then I'd, I'd run at, you know, didn't know what I was doing, and so I'd stop, and and uh, so, what, four years ago? Five years ago, I guess it was now. I uh, was able to, uh, after I retired, I put it together. And, uh, okay. And uh, so, uh, it was, that was great, and it sounded good, but I it was, uh, we were playing this band, the Eocene, we were playing at the, uh, a festival in Montana. It was like 95 degrees, and we're getting ready. And I was tuning up to go on stage, and he goes whack, yeah. and I look, and the, the whole top just split right down here, oh, no. and everything went like this. Oh, so I brought it back and thought, oh man, I had to borrow a guitar. So I uh, gave it to uh, Dennis Burke and Eugene, who's like the guru of, you, yeah, heat work on yours. Mm. And I said, here, it's yours. And the problem was that the guy had sanded the finish off. Okay. So the top, instead of being about 110 thousandths, was 80 thousandths. Okay. And so he went in through the sound hole between the X bracing here and put a laminated piece of aged spruce inside Mm -hmm. to bring it up to 110 thousandths doing it all with mirrors and oh my goodness yeah and so and, then, and that's just for like the resonance and all that well structurally <laughs> so the streets so don't pull it apart so it didn't uh, fall apart job, so yeah. but anyway so far it's flat as can be and so wow and it sounds good it sounds incredible yeah, yeah. so all right guys well take it away whenever you're ready east virginia blues this is an old old song i don't know when yeah we, older than i know of I, everyone in their dog has done this song yeah but I don't even know. older I've than heard, older than carter family probably yeah like, and i and i've heard versions of it that were like just a, i was born Well, you can do that style if you like. Yeah, we we normally do a little bit hard, more hard driving version of this, like in the band. But mm-hmm. with just two people, it's hard to incorporate a banjo, and you know. So okay. I don't normally play guitar on this. So, <laughs> but when you do, you play it well. So I'm going to see. I don't know if I ever have, <laughs> other than maybe last night. <laughs> Let's see. Um,
ask your mother if my bride might ever be if she says no
To flatten Scruggs, that's why I first heard that. Oh my gosh, I love it! So cool. So it's sort of the two <laughs> I mean, things that, that that just line up with the genre, like horrifically sad. Or yeah, I was going to ask you guys that. What is the saddest bluegrass song? Is there is it possible to get you know? I mean, there's no well, depth the to the Krause does. the weird and oh, sad. Oh, we don't even need to bring that one up. I know some of them are like what there are little footprints in the snow. Like some of them are just like oh, creepy yeah. and bizarre. And, um, it's I like mean, Grimm's fairy tales. The, almost the one we it. do on stage <laughs> is called "Banks of the Ohio," oh, and gosh. it's a pretty you know famous song. But it's so bad that we almost laugh every time <laughs> we're on yeah. stage because we're singing like a two-part harmony throughout, and then he's like Dude, beating her to death, cool. and yeah, it's yeah, just so bad. There's some gruesome stuff. You guys, uh, um, we yeah. could change the pace a little bit. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know what, but yeah. I don't need to do like a third slow sad song. No, I do have a song that I wrote. That's we're not going to do that today. I don't think. It's up to you but, guys. Anything you want. It's do. one. It's a true story when I was growing up. And uh, uh, in Enterprise, near terminal yeah. gravity. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the uh, the lady in the evening went out to feed the cows. And in November, there's snow on the ground, it's frozen and all this. She climbs up on the haystack and the top, the strings on the top break. She fell about 15 feet onto a board and it broke her back and she didn't move. So her three-year-old daughter goes out to find her. Well, then her three-year-old daughter stays with her and doesn't leave. And then their son, who's 11, goes out in the morning and finds her. What was the temperature? It was below freezing. Yeah. And uh, she had a little scarf on kind of thing. And uh, so anyway, he couldn't drive, so he runs and jumps on the tractor and drives three miles to Joseph. And, to tell and, about And he found, found the marshal, and the marshal got the doctor, and they went out, and they're both frozen. And uh, so we did that song. And... Uh, in Legrand and Pendleton. Your college group did that song. Yeah, the, the EOC, in the Light Canyon Ramblers EOC, and uh, <clears throat> just a few weeks ago. Oh, and wow. uh, it's the first time I've been able to sing the song without choking up. It's very, very and, uh, well, I mean, it, Knowing that it's a true story. Yeah. So 
on the break, I went over, you know, we did our first set and on break. I was talking to some people. And this lady comes over and just grabs me and hugs me and she's just sobbing, yeah. sobbing. And my wife's going, I better go see what's going on here. <laughs> and so she comes over. Anyway, this lady said, the song is called Mary Lou. She said, Mary Lou was my mother and Jenny Lee was my sister. Oh my God. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> I'm getting chills again. That's, that's <laughs> like, uh, wow. we could probably try it later if you want to do it. Mm -mm. <laughs> Up to you guys. That, no. uh, I mean, the, what you're, you're tapping into, the, you know, the true stories. That, you, know, you know, I heard an amazing story about, so Gordon Lightfoot just passed away, mm -hmm. great, yeah. great artist. Yeah. And, you know, in, there's a line in the song about the bells, 29 bells chiming for the lost sailors of the mm -hmm. wreck of the, in the Edmund Fitzgerald. Right. And last weekend, they chimed 30, 29 for the sailors of for <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. Wow. It was incredible. Wow. You know, I just, hearing that was just like, that, that, mm -hmm. you know, it's one song, one story, but it echoes through time. You know, yeah. it's like generations of people that can relate to yeah, that and accident. She, and then that's the thing, and she loved the song. And she, I had, I sent her the words and the recording of it and stuff. But anyway, in, in the old old days, before we had radio and all, that's how news was passed. <clears throat> right. You know, all of it, like the train wreck songs were true stories, that, and that's how people told trains, what happened. Train, I'd love to hear a train song if they've got one in here. I just grew there's a train line behind here, the Southern Pacific Railroad. Growing up, I loved that train. I walked across the trestle insanely yeah. many times. I rode my bike over it once. Ooh. That was our favorite thing to do. Yeah, it was very stupid. But there was also, a, it derailed one day and I was out on my bike and it went off the tracks and you could see it knocking the trees over up by oh my gosh. Right wow. now. One of my strongest memories of being like 13 <clears throat> well, yeah. is seeing a, a, a freight train derail. I kind of, that's a song, that's something you're writing. <laughs> kind of change the pace a little bit yeah but this is how we open <clears throat> all the all the sets with sawtooth and sons is this song okay <laughs> we'll see if i can play it Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. And 
sometimes I started way too fast <laughs> and I can't keep up with myself. Sometimes I started way too slow and sort of dragged. But what's it called again? That's Sawtooth Mountain Breakdown. That's Sawtooth Mountain Breakdown. That's it. Mike Eisler wrote yeah. that. I don't know what. Well, we recorded that, that one in '75. The uh, Fireball Mail. Yeah. That's our. Uh, so, <clears throat> Christian and I, you you and I know each other because of the jam, and that's like a good jam like opener because just two, two chords, chords, easy melody. Get one You up. can pretty much. Not ripping. You can pretty of. much play anything over the two chords, and it doesn't matter. Nice. <laughs> friend Don from McMinnville comes to the jam, he'll sing the lyrics, but yeah. no one else knows the lyrics. <laughs> Ready? It's a good time to just plug that every Thursday, uh, we've been doing this for a couple of years, mm -hmm. all comers, all abilities, so much fun. It's really just been such a beautiful thing. So I just want to thank anyone listening who has been to the Bluegrass Jam or has come and played, especially you two, for helping, you know, come and, you know, share what you do so well. And like, it has added so much to the brewery life and my personal life. I, I can't thank you guys mm. enough. It's just really cool. So yeah. we love it and we it's, want to keep it going. It's always nice to have because it wasn't that long ago that I didn't know how to play. I never played around people. Really? And so having some place to go that was like... Judgment-free zone? Yeah, judgment-free zone. <laughs> you could either sit in the back and like noodle around and not be heard, or you could like be heard and make terrible, crazy mistakes and no one cares. Yeah, and... I can relate to the latter. For sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing with any anybody that's starting out is that Everybody started there, yeah. and uh, I, I I recall many times 
we used to go to Weezer to the old time fiddle contest and there's a huge following of bluegrass people that would show up and I'd just stand in the background and try to <clears throat> yeah yeah I mean it's play and and, and I remember a guy uh, told me he said well okay instead of just thrashing play the bass note on the one and the three and then the other strum and work on that and I was like yeah, yeah, pat yeah, your head yeah, and rub yeah. your stomach. Yeah, I mean, you are the bass, you are the rhythm section, right? There. Yeah, yeah. You're playing the bass and the drums. Having someone that. explain that to you is... Yeah, the one and the three, and you're also the... Oh, yeah, and, so, and, and a lot of times you, people are just... Which, which technically sounds good, like if you're a singer-songwriter and you're singing in a coffee shop, that sounds great. Right. If you're in a group of 20 musicians that don't necessarily know how to play, great. Right. You need a solid like rhythm. Yeah, and, um, and it's all about listening to like um, filling in places, right? You know, where like the you know you're stepping up to play a bass line essentially, and with the lack for the lack of a upright bass player here in this room right now, mm-hmm. you're laying down that bass line yeah. and making space for his higher notes, and it just works so. And I, when we were playing both guitars earlier, I was trying to do the bass notes yeah. while he was singing because it. I wasn't singing, so I can focus more on that. But. Yeah, very okay. underrated skill, right? Like the rhythm guitarists are, yeah. you know, the, the holding and, together a lot. And I think the guy that I really liked to listen to just for his guitar playing to emulate was Rodney Dillard. Rodney Dillard, things, really? Of all things, yeah. Cause he of was the Dillards? Doing, of the Dillards, and he... Jake Eddy is a, a guitarist. You guys might have seen this guy. He plays really fast. Amazing online guy. Uh, he, he He's online. He tours a lot. Such a musician. But he recently did a bunch of presentations on rhythm playing that um, were really cool. And he, he came on tour to Portland <laughs> and I went to it. And hearing him talk about rhythm and he kind of showed like what you could do with like, okay, here's here's just me playing the most basic background thing. And then here I am feeling a little more. And then he started talking about how, what Tony Rice used to do yeah, with yeah. the passing chords and the strange voicings and, you know, but still laying down a very solid rhythmic oh, yeah. bass, but then putting these incredible flourishes and almost like jazz notes and passing, you know, like yeah. kind of unusual little rhythms and offbeats that just somehow like, you know, and he kind of took it to the illogical or illogical extreme <laughs> to show this is what you could do if you're just pulling out all the stops on rhythm, almost like a form of lead playing. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. cool though. And that works especially great if you're like playing rhythm by yourself, singing. Like a lot of right, what yeah, I like about something. Billy Strings, which he got from Doc Watson and probably mm-hmm. tons of other people, is they're like a solo act. Yeah and there you hear everything you hear the rhythm you hear the lead you hear the accompaniment to their voice like just with a guitar yeah and that's it yeah, yeah incredible incredible uh yeah speaking of billy strings he is coming on tour here so excited to see that and like you probably saw the video of him playing clarence white's guitar slash mm-hmm. tony rice's yeah, guitar yeah. recently that was an incredible video you know just for the opportunity to take it out of the case after 10 years play it in the living room, then take it on stage and play it on, yeah, it was really amazing, you know. I, you know, there's a lot of worthy players 
Um, you, you could argue, but I, I think what he's doing is so exciting and just an undeniable force in the music. And uh, he has, uh, it, I don't know if it matters to mention, but he has a lot of connections to Oregon. Uh, his banjo player is from Portland, Billy Failing. Oh, yeah. um, Billy Failing is from Portland? Yeah. I didn't know that. And um, he has several signature and otherwise guitars from Preston Thompson, Yep, which was the first t-shirt I saw you wearing when I first showed up to the jam. You yeah, I, I have one guitar t-shirt I'm going to wear um, and see if, the, you know, and then you guys picked up. Yeah. Like, oh, nice. Preston Thompson Guitars is in Sisters, Oregon. And then um, their fiddle player that they've had for uh, maybe a year now. Alex. Hargreaves. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad used to come to our jam in Amity. That's incredible. And yeah. So, and didn't Alex oh. come and play locally at a jam? Um, yeah, from, with with, uh, with Dave from yeah, uh, bootleg yeah. jam. Yeah, yeah, bootleg Dave. jam. So, that's amazing. I mean, I'll say that just having been a uh, attendee at the Edgefield shows a couple of years ago, it was the first show I'd been to out of the you know coronavirus lockdown. The mood in the crowd that day, I think it was. Uh, I feel like it was an early September show, maybe mid September, but uh, a sunny, warm day, and I, I've never seen a more like electrified up crowd people yeah. were absolutely <clears throat> levitating with excitement for a big show and it it was just incredible i mean people are still talking about that show two years ago even though it's also come back again mm-hmm. and that one was good too but that one two years ago was for me i'm just like i'm a fan for life now it, it was in, well and like what you were saying about steve waller like the I don't even know what it is that he does but the showmanship or the, yeah. the charisma or whatever he's doing on stage on top of being a phenomenal guitar player like best in the world level like yeah. he just generates energy yeah. in the crowd it's great yeah it's being yeah, a, a natural exciting. entertainer yeah you know? natural that's, entertainer yeah. yeah that's a good way to put and it and i'm not sure that he would say that he is no <laughs> he's pretty he's shy pretty humble. yeah he seems like super yeah. down to earth which but is so I'm, refreshing I'm i mean like steve we'd walk into a restaurant and instantly steve's on stage <laughs> His voice is booming, and oh, yes. you know people just gravitate to him. We'd go in a restroom, uh, a restroom, uh, yeah, a restroom, and we're in there doing our thing, and and uh, you know somebody'd walk in, and so Steve, Steve would start singing, and then Raleigh and I start singing harmonies, and the rest of the people are kind of going, "Okay, I just came in pee," you know. <laughs> okay, two shows, two shows. Yeah, he, he was always on stage. He was oh, just yeah. that kind of guy. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, you guys want to do a couple more? You're feeling it, and you know we're, we're loving this. You, we're welcome yeah. to jam as long as you want. Can we do that one. This song is uh, well. Well, you. you probably remember it. We did it at the jam a few times. Uh, it was written by the guy that played banjo and then bass in Sawtooth, and uh, he was a professor at Oregon State, uh, a research professor, and uh, he <clears throat> passed away three or four years ago now, but he wrote a bunch of really good songs, and there were only probably a couple, two or three, that were ever recorded, But and this is one of them, but, and he didn't like the way, this was like, after he was out of the band. Just like Merle Haggard-ish-esque. Yeah. And, uh, but he was, uh, <clears throat> like he started a bluegrass band in New Zealand. He was teaching at the uh, medical school in, uh, and uh, wherever it was, South I- South Island of New Zealand, started a bluegrass band. They had a TV show on, uh, like every Wednesday night or whatever it was. And, so, awesome. 
awesome. So we start this in this. I don't know. <laughs> Never done it yeah, in this keyboard. <laughs> first song that I learned by ear from Earl Scruggs on the banjo. And then I saw, so you kind of, I heard it and then you, I learned it and then it sort of like kind of grabbed me and I've listened to every single person on YouTube that's ever done this song, do this song. And it's still my favorite one to play, favorite one to sing. Uh, we do this in almost every set. Um, F, I think. F. Um, I don't ever play guitar on it. I normally play, play banjo because it's normally a more fast-paced, fast 
hard driving song, even though it's a pretty sad song. But, um, on guitar, it's a little bit more mellow. It fits this room. <laughs> it's more mellow. <laughs>
bright in a cabin in a window is shining for me but I know that my mother is praying for the boy she is longing to see when it's lamp lighting time in the valley in my dreams I go back to my She sits waiting For she knows not the crimes that I've done But I'll change all my ways And I'll meet her Up in heaven when life's races run When it's lamp lighting time in the valley In my dreams I go back to my home But I see that old lamp We should tell the it's not really a story but we should talk about your guitar and my dad's guitar oh okay yeah um well that was so uh i remember when you guys first came uh i was always so nervous to be in these bluegrass jams because like i was like i have no business hosting a jam i don't know <laughs> what i'm doing i'm a complete novice and the first people that came were uh, Dave Porch and Cam Ernst. Yeah, Cam. Ernst, and he has been on the show too. He talked about um, he did the Claw Hammer segment oh, with us, which was super <clears> cool. <throat> but I remember you guys rolled up and I love you Cam. brought that guitar, and you know, uh, and I had I found my guitar in a pawn shop, and I I've, I've told this story um, to you guys before, but it was one of those moments, like a life changing moment, where I'm like I've been carrying a guitar pick around in my pocket as a good luck charm for like 20 years, you know, mm -hmm. or more. Mm -hmm. Since college, 
because you know, and my my buddy Dave will hear this hopefully. He he, you know, he got me into guitars at Martin's and everything. So you got to find yourself an old Martin oh, someday. Walla Walla, that yeah, that Dave from Walla Walla. We played in a band, bunch of bands together. He's out in Charleston now. Hi, Dave. And uh, great dude, great player, plays all the instruments, and he he kind of got me into focused on old guitars and thinking about playing them, and you know, kind of introducing me to the whole world of old guitars. So I really didn't know much about him before, you know, uh, at all. But he kind of brought me into that world, and so I was carrying around this guitar pick. And then, you know, the, the short version is I found the old Martin I always wanted sitting in a pawn shop in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and uh, it was on uh the you know they were what they were asking for it i knew instantly was not anywhere close to what it was worth but i could see that maybe need some work too so but you weren't quite sure what it was i knew it was a d18 and they i knew it was a 47. so at least that's what they claimed at the pawn shop you know but it was the only acoustic guitar in a room full of you know like electric flying v's i need to go to this pawn shop yeah it was a pawn shop in vancouver and i had you know it was like my lucky day. I'd already had a really good day. I'd been delivering or getting ingredients uh, nearby, and I'd gone to a, a taco place called Little Conejo. So this is really too long, but I, <laughs> but I would, you know, can we talk about tacos for a little while? No. I go to the taco place and I have this amazing lunch. And the owner of the shop is like, he knows about our beer, and he's just a really nice guy. And if, if you guys live in Portland or Vancouver, go to Little Conejo. It's incredible. So I, I'm having tacos, and we really enjoy our chat and there's another local brewer there, you know, delivering beer or something like that. I mean, it was really cool. One of those kind of conversations of, oh, this is such a, I, I love this business. I love, I love making beer and going around and meeting cool people. And I'm on my way out and I'm like, I need to get some coffee. You know, is, what's the best cup around here? So I'll definitely go up to, you know, you know, go up to this place up the road, you know? So I run up there and I'm waiting in line and I get some beans and order my drink and like, oh, your, your coffee's been paid for. So I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, oh yeah, they, you know, friend down a little canal and called it in for you. And I was like, <laughs> okay, my, my, this is my lucky day, right? So I had seen this pawn shop across the road. And before I left, I had my coffee. I pulled the van over, uh, the brewery van. And I'm like, I'm gonna go check it out. This is during the pandemic and I, they wouldn't let you inside. Oh, this is that recent? Yeah, it's okay. pretty recent. <clears throat> so they wouldn't let me inside. And I looked in the window and I could see the dread sitting in the very back of the room, up in the corner, the very back and uh, you know, far away from all the amps and all the other guitars, and I had the person come over, how can I help you? And I'm like, you can't come in, it's pandemic. Like, okay, well, I'll stand out here on the sidewalk behind the, the gate. <laughs> and, he, and I'm like, is, is that what I think it is? And he's like, that one? And I'm like, that's Martin, right? And he goes, yeah, it's, a, it's only D18. I'm like, what year? 47. Wait, what? Really? Like, no way. Yeah, it's hard to believe he knew it, it was a 47. Yeah. It seemed impossible. So I'm like, can I play it? And he's like, yeah, if you give me your wallet and your keys, you know, so, <laughs> so I give him, all right, what else you got? You know, you want, you want my jacket, you know, the car keys. I give, him, I give him everything I have. And he unchains the door and hands the guitar up, locks the door again. And I'm just standing there. I guess I have my phone. I had my phone so I could take some photos. And I took some photos instantly. I was just trying to get the, you know, the serial number right away. And I don't have them memorized at this point. I have no idea what the run is. You don't? No, no one knows. I mean, there are people who know. <laughs> Allie probably knows. I'm You know. So I, I know now, but I mean, I'm, I'm getting chills because I'm thinking like, crap, this might be the guitar I've been waiting for. And I've already had this really cool day. So I'm like starting to get this like mad idea that maybe I'm gonna spend like, you know, two months salary on this beer, or uh, excuse me, on this guitar. Um, 
And um, so I take a lot of photos. I instantly call my friend Dave back in Charleston. Like, what do you think about this? And he's like, take pictures. What's a serial number? You got you got to call this guy. You know. So he's, he tells me to call Dennis Burke, who worked on your guitar. Oh, yeah. And and uh, we post something on maybe on a maybe on a forum somewhere to trying to find out a little more. Because are just you all so, st- just still you're standing on the sidewalk like? All the photos and texting and calls that happened really quick, and I gave the guitar back. I didn't buy it that day. I didn't make money. Oh, okay. Um, but I was like, you think it's going to sell? And they're like, no, it's been here for a long time. I was like, I can't believe that either. But <laughs> don't sell it to anyone else. And he's like, well, you got to just buy it or else. I mean, it's going to be gone if someone pays pays for it. Like, okay, pressure's on, right? So I, I, I authenticate the guitar. I get the serial number. I send all the pictures to Dennis Burke, and he's like, yeah, that looks legit. Uh, it's just from photos, but you know, you can, you can tell a lot. Oh, and yeah. I think, you know, the head sock, the branch oh, I knew everything. Yeah. You can tell. So, and you know, I'm not very familiar, but I felt more confident with each passing day. And then, um, you know, I went back and I tried to negotiate, and they're like, uh, hell no. <laughs> You're not getting a deal on this any more than the price it is now. And I, I, I'm not going to say what it was, but I will say it was definitely a fraction, probably about 75% off the, what it would be worth. And so I bought it. And I sent it to, I took it down to Dennis and, and Eugene, and he fixed it up. He had it for several months. He actually did a pretty extensive bit of work in a way. I had to do a neck reset, um, oh, you yeah. know, okay. refrets. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't major surgery. It was, it was, it was a uh, standard, kind of old standard. guitar, like, <clears throat> re- neck reset, refrets. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty yeah. standard. So I know <clears throat> I have gone on way too long about my guitar. But the beautiful <laughs> thing is that when I met you guys, and here comes Hal, and he's like, well, I've got a 47 Martin. And yeah. we couldn't believe that we had two guitars in the same And they're area. just a couple serial numbers apart, I think. Yeah, I think I, yeah, there wasn't much. It was amazing. It's and amazing. I they still... only made like five or 600 guitars that year. And yeah. like, I have country. a photo of you guys holding them up. Yeah. yeah. And I, I still like kind of pull it up and show people. And people that don't know old guitars are like, all right. His looks like crap, and yours looks brand new. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't say that's true. Mine has patina. Yours has the patina of, yeah, of age. That's right. Yeah. Patina of age. Uh, uh, but yeah, it sounds incredible. Your guitar, and I don't think I think mine was in a case so long that it was kind of case bound. And I mean, it was literally under some guy named Eli's bed for a long time, and he went and sold it. And so it is slowly opening up. And you know, oh, yeah. I try to. I, I'm, I'm coaxing it back to life. Hopefully, you know, I'm like. It's really fun to have, and you know, it's an heirloom and something I'll just yeah, treasure. It's my whole fantastic, life, you know. Yeah. And good well, luck, Tom. And part of the thing on this one is, like, all of the wood around here is eighty thousandths instead of one hundred and ten thousandths. That's what so that's, you mentioned. You know, and but just the wood underneath the X bracing is all that's one hundred and ten thousandths. So it's it's so cool how guitars it comes down to those like micro fractions, wood, yeah. t- tone woods. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about X bracing. Um, for those yeah. listening who don't know about the bracing inside the guitar, holds the back and sides on, and it changes over the years to get louder and you know changes the tone of the guitar, and then you can open up and people go back and modify and so forth. It's like it is so inside baseball at that point. Um, but I love it. I love learning about it yeah. and like going and learning about um, you know um, you know the techniques that are coming back. And Dennis Burke, you know using hide glue you know mixing up yeah. his own hide glue yeah exactly. he had pre-ivory band ivory before <laughs> we, yeah, yeah before yeah. elephant ivory was thankfully yeah. banned yeah. Uh, as a trade somehow he gets a hold of some so he can put a new saddle on the on the on the guitar yeah. and you know to match the specs from 1947 so and he was so nice to work with too. yeah he's he just he awesome worked on this he did he overhauled my guitar too my guitar is not like 
old, old, old. It's, I guess you would call vintage because it's like a 80s. late 80s. But uh, I bought it on eBay because I saw <laughs> the fretboard was worn down like deep, deep grooves, like an eighth of an inch from the nut up to like the seventh fret. Every string was like worn into the fretboard. Right, just into the ebony. So I, I wouldn't normally buy a guitar without playing it, but I could tell that someone really liked that guitar. Right. And so um, I gave it to Dennis. I bought it <clears throat> and I gave it to Dennis for, I don't know, a couple months. And I don't, I mean, he redid everything and kind of made it look like a vintage one. He put a through saddle in and redid the saddle, uh, the bridge plate. And he put a maple bridge plate in instead of the head. Like a pre, with... he put in an old, like one of his old bridge plates, like an old, old yeah. bridge plate, this old maple and <clears throat> shaped everything. It looks like a pre-war. It just has sort of patina like a pre-war. It's not Brazilian rosewood, but. That's so awesome. So the moral of the story is if you guys see an old guitar somewhere and you, you want to know Kyle Sawtooth and Sons <laughs> or Dennis Burke, yeah. they will tell you, buy or run away. And like, how many times have you like, you know, you, you, you definitely put some down too, you know, you're like, hmm, you know, this is the one. And then like, no. And I definitely had so many dalliances with guitars where I thought, oh, I'm going to, now I'm ready. I'm going to spend all my money on this guitar. And it, it was never the right time. And I, I waited. I think there was, it was worth waiting for, you know doesn't mean I don't like to look at older other guitars, yeah. too. It becomes kind of like a car obsession, or like some people have it It is vinyl. a little bit like that. Like, yeah. you just, like, enjoy the process of Just looking. enjoy the process. Yeah. You know, and the smell of an old guitar, you know? The smell oh, of the wood and the glue and the strings, everything about it is, like, uh, is just one, one, one well, kind. And you know? if you think that's an obsession, get into the old banjo. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know. There's another day story. He found a Gibson Master Tone in, like, a thrift store in Walla Walla or something. I mean, an unbelievable or a Deering or something bananas and yeah. bought it and like a, he had it for a long time and you know so like yeah the hunt I think it's about the hunt too you know sort like, of you but it's but it's also that that standing joke about I don't remember his name but I know he had a 47 D18 <laughs> with the shaved braces and uh, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah it, it, well it's, it was so cool what are the odds that you know yeah very small yeah odds. the the I actually Reference the picture a lot of you guys holding your two forty seventy eighteens. <laughs> yeah, we'll put like, it up on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, George like, wasn't driven over by a pickup, so yeah, no, it definitely was not. <laughs> yeah, not not on wood. It never happens. Well, nice. You guys want to do one more for us? Sure. Speaking of pickups and old guitars, you want to do um, uh, bury me beneath the willow? Okay. Sorry. And, uh, and then we were going to do. Uh, oh, drink Tom, up and go home. And Tom Dooley. Um, oh, that. Oh, that. Both are great. You guys nailed that one. Do them both if you got time. Good. Are we good? Cue in. Um. Well, D or. If we do D, do you want to do open position? Sure. Normally when I play with my dad, um, he'll sing lead, well, either one of us will sing lead, and then he'll take the harmony on the chorus, and I sing lead on the chorus. On this one, I sing lead throughout, but then I do the harmony on the chorus, and I'll... And I sing lead. 
Of course. Yeah. 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 You always have to keep straight, though. Like, yeah, we have to remind you. <laughs> you're singing your melody. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you, like, point up, right? You're up. You're up. Sometimes, yeah. Let's see if I remember the song. I just want to say thanks again for everyone listening and please tell us and the listeners how they can learn more about Satchitun Sanjo tour dates and where to find you online all the good stuff um well 
We're playing on Saturday <laughs> at the okay. Multnomah Grange. You won't, that may or may not, uh, yeah, yeah, this may or may not air before Saturday. Yeah. Probably yeah. not. But, um, uh, you're playing out there. You've got your. Do you have a Facebook or? We a page pretty much or? do everything through Facebook, which is uh, like I don't know, mm. Facebook.com, Sawtooth and Sons. <laughs> Sawtooth and Sons. Yeah. Okay. What about? Uh, is there you know, any any other way people can find out about Orange or website for the band or just? Uh, um, that's the that's the. That's the one. Quote unquote website. Yep. Um, yeah. What about plans for this summer? Like, do you have uh, things a little later that. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, on the. On well, deck? It's, it's Bluegrass uh, Festival Central during the summer here. Um, we haven't. It's been so crazy busy. We haven't really booked anything. We have some stuff in the fall already booked. Uh, pumpkin Patches is. Oh, that's sort of the name of the game. In, yeah. <laughs> Wait, the one out, what's it called? The one over in, um, in Salem? Or what? No, near, uh, yeah. Heiser Farms Hi, or? Heiser Farms near, uh, yeah. That place is great. Yeah. So nice. What a fun place to go. We took Teo there. And he was so nice. He loved it. Yeah. Cannons, the, like tanks and cannons and. So on your Facebook page, you'll have your <coughs> listing for upcoming shows and photos and some really cool, you know, Hal brought these amazing photos of Sawtooth back in the day. Are there some pictures of the old days on there? That would mm -hmm. be so cool yeah. to, to, to show people those. And um, we just, again, really appreciate you guys coming by and playing, playing some tunes for us. It was amazing. And yeah, so what are you going to send us out with? Drink up and go home, but I'm not sure what In G.
Soul Boat Sessions is brought to you by Wolves and People Farmhouse Brewery in Newburgh, Oregon, brewing experimental and distinctive farmhouse and wild ales since 2016, like Honeycone, Instinctive Travel Saison, and Oregon Beer Awards Gold Medal winner, Traveling Companions. Look for our handcrafted beers across Oregon, distributed by Day One, and in great bottle shops in the following states so far. Colorado, North Carolina, Virginia, New York, and more to come. Wolves and People Farmhouse Brewery is open Wednesday through Sunday every afternoon and makes the ideal spot to gather with friends over a picnic and some award-winning brews with hyper-local ingredients. Look for the weekly bluegrass jam every Thursday. For Wolves and People, come run with us. Show credit time, everyone. Soul Boat Sessions is recorded and produced here on Springbrook Farm by Wolves and People Farmhouse Brewery in a tiny, mighty 1912 cottage with old guitars on the wall and an ever-dwindling collection of fresh beers in the fridge. The show is lovingly recorded, produced, and remixed in perfection by Andrew Kay, who plays a mean guitar himself. So follow him on Instagram at Andrew Kay. That's K-A-Y-E. And I'm Christian DiBenedetti, your host, co-producer, and not coincidentally the founder of Wolves and People Farmhouse Brewery. So we'd like to thank the following amazing folks for making this podcast happen. First and foremost, Hal and Andrew Spence for the time and wonderful playing, singing, and storytelling. For more information regarding booking Sawtooth and Sons for shows, please contact Andrew Spence at 909-913-3668. Thank you to Martin Guitars for making the finest guitars ever, including Hal's 1947 D18 you heard on this very episode. And we'd also like to thank the excellent local news and events resource known as Newsberg on Instagram, at Newsberg. That's at N-E-W-S-B-E-R-G underscore. So, great place to check in on what's going on in Newburgh, events, news breaking news profiles we really love what they're doing so i hope you'll give them a follow too follow us on instagram on uh, at the soul boat sessions and let us know what you think we'd like to hear your rants and raves and if you're really feeling the love some two dollar bills via venmo at wolves and people we'll take ideas for new episodes corrections complaints and odes of praise if you are an artist and you want to appear on the show by all means send a smoke signal to podcast at wolvesandpeople.com And tell everyone you know that loves music and fermentation there's finally a podcast for both. So thanks for listening. Keep the strings warm and the beer cold and see you next time on the porch.